0: Good morning. It is good to be back here in uh, Mobile and be with you at Ashland Place. Leanne and I traveled with Jess and with Ellie last weekend to go to Tallahassee. one um, to see my parents and also um, the main reason that got us over there was for Jess's band Dermite to go and record, lay down some tracks, some original music with a friend of mine um, in a studio. So they had this wonderful experience, and um, it was quite the, this whole thing, this whole rock and roll band thing has been quite the Boykin experience. Um, We've had three St. Paul students in our house just about two or three times a week um, rehearsing original music and other Nirvana-like songs. So a lot of grunge punk is being played, and speakers about this tall. In our house, we shut every door we can between the band and us, um, and the rest of the house, Um, to little or to no effect. But it um, is—it's been fun. Um, I joke around a lot with them, but it has been a lot of fun to watch these three students. Last year, they were a sophomore, a junior, and a senior. Um, Morgan is the lead singer and guitarist. She was a sophomore last year, and the bass player is is Thomas, is a junior, and then Jess was a senior. On the on drums and they have been putting putting this effort out almost a year going on a year and uh, when they first started coming over um, they would just kind of get in that room and just plug it in and just launch and um, over the months um, you can hear the songs getting more honed their skills getting um, sharper in their talents and gifts just beginning to kind of, kind of rise up. As the songs were getting tighter, as they reworked some, some arrangements and they kind of reworded some things and they all had their input, um, it was a lot of fun to kind of watch this. And as I was watching all this kind of unfold or listening to all this unfold, I kept thinking, what would they sound like if they had like really good mixing equipment? Because we just have the speakers and an amp. And so they do the best they can, um, but it's pretty raw, um, pretty primitive, and pretty loud. And um, we we would kind of let them kind of go and go, and then they would play a few gigs, and you could hear them getting better as they got in front of the audience, and the audience really liked them, and it was just a lot of fun to kind of see this whole thing go. So then when they started talking about, we want to go and we want to record some stuff, And I'm like, well, whatever. (laughs) Not that I can help you, but um, I had a friend in Tallahassee named Dave, and he is a sound engineer. And he offered to kind of help them. And so we got this weekend where it it fit everybody's schedule, and that's what we did. So they spent a day and a half in the studio, and they laid down ten tracks. And um, Dave was able to mix um, four of them, and to what they wanted it to sound like. And so, it, w- it was incredible. Um, and the reason it was so incredible to me was that I kept thinking, what would they sound like? What would they sound like if, if they had the right mixing equipment? What would they sound like if they were in the right space? What would they sound like if somebody who knew what anything about sound and mixing could work with them and get all the different arrangements and all the different levels right. So that it sounded like they imagined. And so we were able to do that. And so I, I has listened to the mixed tracks on Friday. We went to visit Leanne's mother. Um, met her in Wagerville, if you've ever been to Wagerville. Um, at the Creek Bank something, <laughs> Creekside Cafe, one of those, one of those. fine cheeseburgers, <laughs> um, but we were coming back and we listened to um, about four or five of their tracks, and we could hear, I could hear what I had dreamed of, what would they sound like if, if they had the right space, if they had the right equipment, if they had the right person doing the mix. And when it all comes together, it was amazing. And I want you to kind of, with me, hold that whole process in your mind. As this band started from nothing, and then progressed through rehearsals, and writing, and arranging, and rehearsals after rehearsal after rehearsal, and performance after performance, until they arrived in a studio and were able to lay down tracks and mixed them to a point they felt like this is what it's supposed to sound like. Hold that image in your minds. Because this is a lot of what's happening in taste and see. You know, we Kristen talked last week about how Jesus opened up this table, shared a meal with people that, that you would expect him to share meals with, his disciples, um, the Pharisees, the righteous. And those we would not expect, those that he was criticized for sharing a meal with, gathering at a table with sinners and tax collectors. But the table was open. It was open to everybody. No matter their ilk, no matter their status, no matter their level, no matter anything. It didn't matter. Jesus welcomed all of them with the grace of God to experience the love and forgiveness of God That's an important piece for us to hang on to. Because that openness to the table is important. We will share in just a few moments the table again with all of us gathered here. Because we celebrate God's love and grace and forgiveness for all people. No matter who we are or where we are or where we are on our journey. It's a powerful thing to remember. Today as we continue in our Taste and See series, we are talking about dietary laws. And we're talking about the laws regarding and governing uh, the sacrificial system. Now these two topics are more than enough to cover a couple of classes in seminary. So we don't have the time to get into any kind of real depth in here today. But I want us to understand some basics, some very fine basics. First of all, there was a system. The system was created because of we have a covenant-making and covenant-keeping God. We, we can see that as God entered into a covenant with Abraham and they cut those animals in half and they laid them to the other side and then both parties, Abraham and God, passed through those sides in between those two cut sacrifices. This signifies that if I break my covenant with you or if you break your covenant with me, then this, this messy gore on either side we're walking through will happen to us. So the the price, the cost of breaking covenant with God is death. Now God is a covenant-keeping God. Death is the price for breaking covenant. God knows that. God keeps that. But He's also a graceful God, a God of grace, a God of love, and a God of forgiveness. And He gives us a way out. To not experience that kind of death. When we break covenant with God, when we break covenant with one another, when we sin, our brokenness is exposed. Our sin is laid bare. And the cost of that sin is death. But God gives a system that protects us, God gives us a system that is filled with grace love, and forgiveness. And so he gives us this sacrificial system where, yes, the cost of sin is death, but the people of God, the people who believe God, who follow God, can experience that death through a sacrificed animal. And as gory as that is, when you read in Leviticus chapters 1 through 7 and chapter 16, you begin to see just how gory of a scene this was. It's powerful. It makes an impact when you read this stuff, when you begin to imagine and vision all the blood that is sprinkled over the altar. Because... Blood is the life force. Blood is given to God as a sacrifice to relieve us and to remind us of our brokenness, to pay the price of our brokenness and our sin, that a life is required. The dietary laws offer a similar explanation, or a similar purpose. All of these laws, the sacrificial laws, the dietary laws, had one primary purpose, and that was to set people apart from the rest of the world. Keeping kosher, as we call it today, is not a difficult thing in and of itself. If you wanted to keep a kosher diet, it's quite possible. People do it all the time, every day. The problem with keeping a kosher diet is the rest of the world does not do that. So we have to search and hunt ways to remain kosher. Back then when these laws were given, they had to carve out a way, literally carve out a way to keep kosher, to eat the right animal, to slaughter the right animal in the right way. Remember, can't eat blood of any animal, except a fish. That's kind of hard to get rid of that blood. But sheep, goats, cows, can't eat the blood. Chickens can't eat the blood. And when you make a sacrifice, that blood is important, because it is sprinkled as a way of symbolizing the forgiveness And a way of symbolizing our brokenness and the cost of breaking covenant with God. All of it, the clean animals, the unclean animals, the dietary laws, the sacrificial system, it's all laid out as a shadow, a foreshadowing of the perfect sacrifice that will make us, that will set us apart in the world through Jesus Christ the writer of Hebrews talks about this in chapter 10 it's printed in your bulletin I invite you to join with me as we read from the writer of Hebrews since the law has only a shadow of the good things to come and not the true form of these realities it can never be by the same sacrifices that are continually offered year after year make perfect those who approach Otherwise, would they not have ceased being offered since the worshipers cleansed once for all, would no longer have any consciousness of sin. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin year after year, for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you have not desired, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and sin offerings you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, See, God, I have come to do your will, O God. In the scroll of the book it is written of me. When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are afforded according to the law. Then he added, See, I have come to do your will. He abolishes the first in order to establish the second. And it is by God's will that we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest that stands day after day at his service, offering again and again the same sacrifices that can never take away sins. But when Christ had offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, He sat down at the right hand of God and since then has been waiting until his enemies would be made a footstool footstool for his feet. For by a single offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us. For after saying, this is the covenant that I will make with them. After those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. He also adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer any offering for sin. May God bless the reading of the word. According to the writer of Hebrews, the sacrificial system, all of these sacrifices, the goats and the bulls, could not erase sin. They served as a reminder of our sin, a reminder that we are broken, a reminder that we have failed in our covenant with God and have begun to meld in, be no different from the world around us. According to Hebrews... These sacrifices are but shadows of the reality and of the coming perfection that is found in Jesus Christ. According to Hebrews, Christ is the perfect, unblemished, unflawed sacrifice. According to Hebrews, Jesus Christ is the sinless high priest who comes and offers his sacrifice of himself on our behalf for all time. One perfect sacrifice. That we can receive true forgiveness and perfect love through God. And in receiving it, we can share it. So just as a band hones its skills grows into its talents. Just as a band grows in its music and displays it as it's supposed to be, as it was dreamed and created to be on a recording. That's what God has done for us. We've been given these shadows, these foreshadowings that are imperfect reminders of sin and our need for forgiveness so we do them or we did them year after year after year after year and now because of the grace of God because of the love of God and the forgiving nature of God and because of the steadfast love of God we are forgiven once for all to live, to live as we were called to be, created to be the body of Christ, a body that reflects love and grace and forgiveness in the world, a body that is different, that is set apart from the world. My hope and my prayer for us today as we reflect consider and contemplate what it means to embrace and to respond to God's great act of love found in Jesus Christ is that we remember why God did what God did. He loves us and He reaches out to us in love to forgive us so that we can live in relationship with God and with one another in such a way that the world will see and know we are different. We as a community, as a church, as individuals, are different because we love perfectly and we forgive And we offer grace. And we share the table with any and all who will come. Because that's the nature of God. Those are the shadows and the foreshadowings of who we are supposed to be. A forgiven and forgiving people. Thanks be to God. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.